If this is your first time, uh, I want to welcome you to New Life. Uh, my name is Young, lead pastor here at New Life, and we're in the middle of a series called Teach Us to Pray, as Christine mentioned, on the prayer from Matthew 6. And the title today is Weak Willed. I've realized that looking back over past sermons that I really like these short titles with little dashes in between for some reason. Uh, it's a literature nerd in me, I think. Uh, we looked at the entire prayer in our scripture reading, but let's read again just the part that we'll be focusing on today from Matthew 6.10b, so that middle part of Matthew 6.10. And then we'll spend a little bit of time meditating on that. Matthew 6.10b reads this. Your will be done. I spend a few seconds just meditating on that and then I'll lead us in prayer. Father, as we come together this morning, as we reflect on these four short words, your will be done. Some of the thoughts that run through my head, Father, as I think about those words are, why it's so hard uh, to pray this prayer? And how often I want my own will to be done, I want my desires to be carried out, uh, indeed, even as I stand here and teach and preach on this subject, I'm aware of my own inclinations towards shaping my life, towards my own goals, towards engineering the way that I want things to be. And yet you remind us in your word, and you remind us through your Holy Spirit that your will is better. Your way is higher than ours. Lord, I want to trust in your wisdom this morning. We want to pray as new life that your will will be done in us. Here in new life as it is in heaven, here in heaven as it is in heaven, we want your will to be done. We want to place our will down we want to turn to you and we want to know what it is that you think, the way that you feel towards us individually and together as new life, as one. So teach us, we pray. Would you shape our hearts towards you, discipline our hearts, disciple our hearts, make them look more and more like your son, Jesus. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Last month on Good Friday, uh, we opened our Friday night prayer, meditating on the Garden of Gethsemane. And you'll see that uh, passage on the screen there. I'll just read it to you, Matthew 26, 36 to 39. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, 
he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And we see Jesus praying in agony as his crucifixion draws nearer and nearer. Jesus was sorrowful and troubled, scripture tells us. He falls face down on the ground praying. I don't know if you remember the last time you were so agonized that you were face down in prayer. You know, we have Friday night prayer every couple of weeks. I don't remember the last time I was so agonized that I was face down in prayer, even there. You know, even in the place of prayer, even as we lift up new life in prayer. Why was he in such agony? The Gospel of Luke tells us that he was in such suffering that his sweat is falling off of him like drops of blood falling to the ground. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever bled a lot, hopefully not, but some of you guys might have experienced this thing where you might get a deep wound. What does blood do? It just keeps on falling out. You know, if it's not falling out, there's probably something not quite right, right? And it's puddling on the ground, and his sweat is like that. I don't think I've ever sweated that much in my life. And Jesus cries out in prayer, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. The question this morning is, are you willing to crush your desires to lay down your will? Your will be done. For me personally, I think this is one of the hardest prayers for me to pray. When I look through the model prayer, this part is probably one of the hardest. Because it includes the death of my own desires. You know, the other parts, they're a little bit easier to digest for me. But for us as human beings, this is one of the hardest things. It's always one of the hardest things to pray to internalize, and then to carry out. We pray this part of the prayer quite hesitantly at times, or we add it at the very end, like almost a disclaimer to God. Like, we ask for what we really want, and then it's like we quickly put in the terms and conditions, hoping that he won't read it. Like, only if it's your will. You know, Father, here are all my real desires, only if, it, only if you want, you know. We're hoping that he does want it. And yet when Jesus prays this same prayer in the garden, torn apart by agony, it serves not as a disclaimer, but as a submission. So why the difference? Why is there a difference between the way that he prays and the way that we pray? Your will be done. We don't like to pray this prayer because we really like our own designs for our lives. You know, we have plans for our lives. Sometimes we don't have very clear plans for our lives, but nonetheless, we have some thoughts towards how we want our lives to play out. Perhaps without realizing it, we live as though we know better than the Father 
what's good for us. I have this friend who has a child, and like most children, he likes to watch kids' cartoons when the adults are gathered together and they're talking about, you know, boring stuff like, ugh, sports, drinking coffee. Not even the fun parts of sports, like the goals, but about, like, the managerial decisions and all the back, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff. And the kid's like, oh, gosh, you know. One time after church, we had all gathered together at another friend's house. The kids are all running around outside, playing with the dogs. Then the adults are talking, continuing to talk. They come inside, they're still talking. And so the children come in and they ask their mom, hey, can you put on some cartoons? So they're watching a couple of cartoons and then we start wrapping things up. We've run out of things to talk about. The boys are already pretty tired at this point. You know, parents know this, right? Like, they're watching cartoons, and then they start getting a little bit dozy. Like, you see them, you know, kind of leaning forward. They're not praying, they're just falling asleep, right? So his mom's telling him, okay, one more episode, and then it's time to go home. And at this, suddenly the boy perks up. It's like he's had his first shot of coffee. And he's like, oh, he looks, He looks his mom right in the eyes and he replies, no, mommy, eight more episodes. (laughs) He took his shot. Perhaps uh, could have aimed a little bit lower and his mom would have been okay with that, but better negotiation comes with age. And his mom could see that he was exhausted. He might not know it himself, but she knows the best thing for him is not to sit and watch eight more cartoons, but to go home and get some rest. We don't look too different from this boy, though, do we? A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the part of the prayer that says, your name be honored as holy. And then last week, we looked at your kingdom come. Jesus is seated upon his rightful throne, all-knowing, wonderful ruler, the God who knows best for us. And yet, when we think about him being seated seated on this royal throne, we're the ones that are most likely to dishonor his name by trying to unseat him, trying to take his spot. Do we truly believe that we could be better kings than he is? Do we dare reach out our hands for the forbidden fruit, seeing whatever we desire as good in our own sight, in our own wisdom. We don't really know how to make life work. You know, ask the older members of this congregation. They're still going through life. Things still come their way. And we have some way of kind of working things out You know, people are paying off their mortgage, people are raising their kids as best as they can in God's wisdom, and yet something comes their way, and then everything's in disarray again. Like my friend's son, we would ignore all wisdom and say, no, we'd rather watch eight episodes of this cartoon rather than sleep when our wise parent tells us differently. God's will for our lives, his purpose and pleasure his design and his delight for us 
are what's best for us because they're for his glory. God is the greatest good and in giving us himself and his kingdom, we benefit. We benefit. And just as we trust in him for the building up of his kingdom, like we talked about last week, rather than our own empires, we trust in him to build up his kingdom, we can trust in him in his will, because ultimately, we can trust in him. Our Father's character, his compassion, his love, these are the reminders that his will is good for us. We see this in the book of Romans. Romans 12.2 reads this. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Romans challenges us to not be conformed to this age, but rather to be transformed by the Lord's renewing of our minds in order that we may figure out his will, so that we can figure out his will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We pray your will be done with our hearts, comforted by the knowledge that his will is good. It's pleasing and perfect. We don't follow a God that has a bad ill will towards us. But what is this will? We see in Genesis, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. At the very beginning of the Bible, we see God tell humanity, grow, create. We're called to represent him in this world by enjoying creation, working the land, cultivating, that all may know his majesty and glory and honor his holy name. God desires to bless his people so that they might bless all people that all might come to know and love him and find every good thing that we know is in him. This is the will of God. Who would say no to this? He wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing to other people. Who would say no to this? Sociopaths, I guess. Who would say no to this? We would. Because our own will is oftentimes ill-informed or just plain bad, because we don't really know how to make life work. We often end up sabotaging ourselves, turning away from God's will, his will blessing us so that we can be a blessing. I get into memes every now and then, and I've seen this one making the rounds a few times. My friends and I, (laughs) we're even like church nerds, right? We send this to each other. And then we're like, you know, giggling to ourselves. And then we're like, cut to the heart. And we're like, oh. (laughs) And then we send it again a few months later when we forget. We're sabotaging ourselves. You know, perhaps you know better than anyone else how capable you are of this self-sabotage, of unmasking the one that's messing up your walk with Christ and finding it's just a mirror. It's me. But thankfully... God's will is also to set us free from the things that enslave us and keep us from being blessed. 
even if the things that enslave us are our very own hearts. Even if setting us free means going against our will for our lives. If we ask him, he's capable of doing what is necessary so that we can be blessed, if you're willing to ask. Now I know this can be a fearful thing. I feel it in my heart sometimes to ask God in prayer for something, knowing that it could mean the end of yourself, your own designs for life. You have these goals and ambitions, but the end of yourself in this manner is the beginning of who you truly are. You can become who you're meant to be, the true humanity that Jesus has invited us into. And deep down, we all want the freedom that enables us to enjoy what God has for us. God is good and perfect in wisdom. And if we know this, if we really know this, if our hearts can actually say, yeah, God is good, he's perfect, he's wise, then we know we can trust him. So why will we turn to our own untrustworthy hearts that lead us astray into the things that kill us? Jeremiah tells us this, the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Who can understand it? The Father's will is that we enjoy this freedom by growing into it. He provides the law for us throughout the Bible, right? That we can see throughout the commandments, that we can grow into this freedom through his discipling, his discipline, and his guidance. Sometimes we can mistake this. We think, and I think most people in this world that aren't Christian think this about Christianity, about following Christ, that it's all just rules and regulations and restrictions for the sake of disciplining us, like God is this harsh taskmaster. But the law is given to the Israelites in order to reveal to them who they truly are. And for us as well to have a revelation of who we truly are, what goes on inside our hearts, because we're not very good at this self-assessment. If you read the law in this way, that it was given in order to free us by revealing our creative and original design, it changes everything. This Methodist missionary, E. Stanley Jones, he says this about the Ten Commandments. The commandments are not an imposition, they're an exposition. So this means that the primary purpose isn't to impose upon us and force us to do something that we don't want to do. Instead, it exposes what's real about us. And as we follow them, it helps us to enjoy this reality. Let's just take, for example, the first commandment. We won't go through all 10. Do not have other gods besides me. God graciously gives us this commandment because he knows that we're made for him. Only the one true God can satisfy us. Nothing else in this world that we dare to make God will satisfy us. Everything else demands of us and will eventually destroy us. Nothing else truly satisfies. You see clear examples of this in those who achieve far more in this world than we ever will. 
than we can dream of in the various spheres of influence in our society. Might be the richest people on earth still seeking to make just a little bit more money because their hearts are never satisfied. They can't possibly spend any of this money in 10 lifetimes, and yet they need more. Or the most famous people still seeking to be known by a few more people so that we can know what they're wearing or eating for breakfast or whatever. And so the commandment is given to us in order to lovingly protect us, to keep us from giving in to ruin and self-sabotage so that we can know our true selves and what satisfies us. Everything that follows helps us to grow into this freedom, preparing us for this ultimate freedom that we'll have in Christ. So if we know this, if you're on board with this, if we want intervention, how do we go about asking God to intervene? What happens when we actually ask him to do his will? Remember what we observed when we began our journey through the prayer. We're asking God to do what only he can accomplish. Only he can do it. When we pray, it's not let us do your will on earth as it is in heaven. No, it's Father. You do your will. We're asking of him. You do your will. Only you can honor your name as holy. Only you can build your kingdom. And only you can do your will. When we pray this prayer, essentially we're saying, Father, we trust you. We're curious creatures though, aren't we? I am, I get real curious. We wanna know what this will is exactly, what it looks like, how it's gonna change the way that I live my life. We wanna know these things. Ephesians tells us this. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. He made known to us the mystery of his will. God doesn't hide his will from us. He's made it abundantly clear to us Not only this, he's glad to reveal it to us, he's glad to reveal it to the whole world. And the Bible reveals to us what his will, his good pleasures for our lives are. Every page of the story reveals to us how he accomplishes his will, despite our wandering, despite our self-sabotaging hearts. Our Father desires for us to know him and to be filled with his life. If you wanna know him and the will that he has for your life, I mean, we read our Bibles. Takes us 15 minutes of reading a day to read through the whole Bible in a year. I like to read it again year after year and I find that as I grow, there are new depths that were previously unsearchable that I didn't, I couldn't understand. As you read, you'll discover and rediscover the beauty of the way our Father's plan unfolds so that we may be filled with life everlasting. And the plan finds ultimate fulfillment, as it tells us in Ephesians, in Jesus, who embodies all that is the Father's will. 
you look at John, it reads this. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is Jesus talking. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Jesus has done the work, and if we believe, place our faith upon his work, we're gonna have eternal life. What does eternal life mean? What does this mean? It's not just endless living. It's living in the design that he's purposed for us from the beginning, the fullness of living, the good life as God intended, that we can enjoy creation, cultivate the land without the curse, bring honor and glory to his name forever, and to believe upon Jesus is to begin that life here and now, becoming who we were meant to be. It starts in this life, in this moment. Again, who would say no to this? Why wouldn't we pray such a prayer? The biggest thing that stands in the way of this is your own heart. Just like that Scooby-Doo meme. God's will already occurs in heaven as is decreed by him. There's nothing to hinder it there. In his throne room, nothing is like, sorry, God's will, you can't. And the prayer that we pray here looks for things to shift spiritually, that it might be carried out in the same way here on earth, here in our hearts. Are you willing to crush your desires to lay down your will? If you find in yourself still this hesitation, you're not alone. Please do not feel alone in this. It's hard. Christian writer C.S. Lewis, he observed the problem with our hearts and the way that we turn from this prayer in this way. He says this, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud, mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. The darkness of our hearts, twisted by the temptation of sin, how can we possibly overcome this? It's God. Thanks be to God, only he can change our hearts. Only he can set us right again. Jesus has gone to the cross and the Bible has unfolded the intricacies of this beautiful plan. At the cross, Jesus overcame the power of sin and death, being raised up to life again, that we could have the whole sin over us broken. Jesus took on not only the full power and the burden of sin at the cross, but the full wrath of the Father upon this sin that we might be set free. Thank God that the cup did not pass from him to us, 
But instead, Jesus drank it. Thank God that he prayed, your will be done in the garden. So today, let us also pray this, your will be done. As the praise team makes their way back up, I ask that you join with me in this prayer. My heart needs it as well, your will be done. I have three prayer points for us. If you'd be willing to pray with us, pray with me, and I'll close us in prayer. Pray first that your own will would submit. Say to him, yet not as I will, but as you, Father, will. Pray with me.
Father, we come to you this morning. Hopefully, with all honesty, bearing our hearts before you in the presence of our dear brothers and sisters here at New Life. We admit to you that it's just so hard to lay down our own designs for our lives. We have pictures in our minds of how we want our lives to look, what kind of home we want to live in, what kind of spouse that we want, what kind of children we want to raise, what kind of job we want, how we want to study, how we want even you to look. We confess these things and we repent before you. We want to lay these things down before you. But it's just so hard. Mold us. Shape our hearts again, God. That we be willing to submit ourselves before you. That we be willing to place our desires under you. That we will place you once again seated upon the throne of our hearts to rule and reign in us, to have your way in us. Father, we know the character of our King, our great Father. Not only are you powerful, not only are you good, not only are you perfectly wise, but you're capable of changing even our hearts. The very thing that we find to be the most stubborn thing on this planet, you can change it. With the word, you can change it. So we turn to you, asking that your living word, Jesus, will be big in our hearts again. Help us, Lord, to take our desires and recognize them as so much smaller. Help us to love them a little less, to place them in their right place in our hearts, to reorder them that we might place you above all. We seek for your will to be done. We echo this model prayer that your son Jesus taught us. Your will be done. That's what we desire. In our hearts, in the hearts of our brothers and sisters here at New Life, in the hearts of our brothers and sisters, our fathers and mothers here at Sezun, in the hearts of those that don't know you here in Sydney. We want your will to be done, whatever that looks like. Whatever fear we might have, would you comfort us, reminding us that you are good, you're trustworthy. Help us, Lord, to trust in you. Now as we prepare to sing this song with praise team in our hearts, since we can't sing it out loud, help our hearts to lift these things high, to recognize them as a prayer. Make our lives into prayers for you. Amen. Yeah.